Hey, hey, Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heat is Gonna Heat. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team, Miami Heat. And these are always the best kind of podcasts to do. Miami coming off an undefeated week, going 4-0 and to push their overall record to 6-4. and So, got a lot of Miami Heat wins to talk about. Then in the middle, we'll discuss a little bit about Miami's rotation, how it's having to shift both from putting players into different roles and then also out of necessity because of the unfortunate Tyler Hero injury. And then, as usual, we'll finish off by looking ahead to the next week of Miami Heat basketball. So let's dive right on in. I got four games I got to get through, hopefully in decent time today. Uh, We start off by going to last Monday, Miami hosting the Los Angeles Lakers in the last game of their homestand, a game that Miami would win 108-107. to In terms of significant injuries for the teams, nobody was really out for either side until later on into the game when Anthony Davis sustained... I believe it was called like a pulled groin or something originally. I think it got reclassified later on as just a like groin injury. But point there being though, Anthony Davis injured partially through the game. Uh, no big surprise there, unfortunately, given his career. So he missed the rest of the game. That's a significant injury. I'll at least count that. A recap of the game itself though. Really high quality back and forth first half. Both sides exchanging buckets. I think the Heat ended up being up by two or three maybe at the halftime. But the main thing there was just a lot of fun to be had. And then third quarter itself, the Heat pulled away on a 10-0 run to go up 11 going into the fourth. And they would maintain that lead hovering around, you know, 9-10 throughout the fourth quarter itself. Heat were up 9 with 3 minutes, 50 seconds left. Feeling kind of good, but... I mean, we've, start, we've already seen how this Heat team can go in the fourth quarter this year. The Lakers cut the lead down to one with two minutes, 39 seconds left. So, yeah, a minute and 11 seconds, they went on an 8-0 run to cut it, that lead down. And then neither team scored for the remaining two minutes, 39 seconds. Some defensive possessions here, some missed shots there. Ultimately came down to a missed Cam Reddish shot from the corner as Miami held on for the win by one point. Still take it. Uh, player of the game here has to go Bam Adebayo. Almost had a 20-20 triple-double, but a rebound got taken away, unfortunately. Finished with 22 points, 19 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, uh, 9 of 20 from the field, 1 of 1 from 3-point range. And again, this one within the flow of the offense, I about, like, fell out of my seat in amazement. Again, just one or two of those games is all we're really asking for. Uh, but also, bam, 3 of 5 from the free-throw line. And again, in the time that Anthony Davis was out there, Bam just worked him on both ends of the court, both shutting him down defensively and scoring over him offensively, which is a trend that does not seem to be going away anytime soon. Uh, Main stat of the game, rebounding. This is where Miami, I think, arguably won it. Winning 44-38 to on the boards overall, but specifically offensive rebounding, winning 11-5. to And in a game where the Lakers actually shot better than the Heat did from the field, the extra possessions that Miami got from the offensive rebounds ended up making the difference. And then just some miscellaneous things before we get out of this game. Uh, Jimmy Butler finished with 28 points versus LeBron finishing with 30 points. It wasn't quite the level of, say, the finals in the 2020 bubble were, but this was still a high-quality performance by both teams' best players, you know, just kind of trading blows back and forth. And then, again, ultimately the difference ended up being rebounding and arguably Bam staying healthy over Anthony Davis. But, hey, we take the win at this point, considering that Miami won uh, hosting Washington the previous Friday. The Heat are now on a two-game win streak before they start on a four-game road trip, which would begin last Wednesday 
at the Memphis Grizzlies, a game Miami won 108-102. to And also a game where there will be a lot of players missing for the Grizzlies, John Morant, Steven Adams, uh, one more I'm forgetting about, I can't remember. It was on the pod last week. They were missing a lot of players between injuries and suspensions. For the Heat, they were not missing anybody until late in the first quarter. Tyler Hero landed on Jaron Jackson's foot in a very, literally just a fluke thing that happens throughout the course of game. Tyler Hero goes up for a floater. His foot just lands on another player's foot. It twists, looks really bad. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on, but just to say after the first quarter, the Heat were then down Tyler Hero and will likely be for at least another week or two. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Recap for the game itself, though. The Heat took an early lead despite Hero's injury, and they kept it hovering around like you know five-ish points or so through three quarters. So at least like the offense didn't completely collapse without Hero. Uh, during the fourth itself, they did lose the lead, but they built their lead back up to 11 with about two minutes left. And then in similar fashion to the Lakers game, they gave up an 8-0 run in about a minute, uh, which cut the lead down to three. So 105-102 at this point, coming down to a crucial Miami possession. The ball swings, 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 ends up finding Jaime Jaquez in the corner, knocks down a corner three, puts Miami up 108-102, ultimately winning the game. Great win by Hawkes. Uh, player of the game, though, this one, again, has to go to Bam Adebayo. 30 points, 11 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 3 blocks on 8 of 15 from the field, 14 of 16 from the free throw line. That was the big part, just Bam consistently getting to the free throw line over and over and punishing the Grizzlies for that. And again, another performance where he just worked uh, the reigning defensive player of the year, Jared Jackson Jr., just worked him on both ends of the court again. Stat of the game here where Miami won this field goal percentage. He went 35 of 77, good for 46%, versus the Grizzlies 35 of 90, good for 39%. Where the Heat, they did get beat in both turnovers and offensive rebounds, so the hence the Memphis ending up with plus 13 on field goal attempts, but the Heat just keeping their efficiency and ultimately and shooting a little bit more from three, and that ultimately ended up being the biggest difference. And then miscellaneous stuff here, I have to shout out Kyle Lowry. I mean, this was a game that had a lot of good performances all around beyond just Bam's monster 30 double-double uh, with all those trips to the free throw line, but Kyle Lowry, 17 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, 1 assist shy of the triple-double. Haywood Highsmith, 14 points on 5 of 7 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3-point range. He continues to let that three fly, and it's to good effect, scoring in double digits. And Jaime Jaquez, 11 points on 4 of 5 from the field, 1 of 1 from 3-point range, which, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, was the dagger 3 in the corner. So, a lot of good performances all around for this one. And kicks off Miami's road trip, now winning 3 in a row and starting off the road trip with a win. The road trip would continue to the Hawks last Saturday, where Miami won 117-109. to in a game that they would be without Jimmy Butler, listed out for personal reasons. This part, a little unusual, because I, I figured since Miami had a back-to-back Saturday and Sunday with Hawks-Spurs, that Butler would sit one of the games. But even in that situation, they usually at least say rest. So the fact that it was A, the first game against the Hawks, and B, listed for personal instead of rest, makes me think that this was like something significant. So hopefully... All is good in Jimmy Butler's life. For the Heat, it would just be next man up. In this case, Jaime Jaquez Jr. got the starting nod, uh, replacing Jimmy Butler this time. 
Recap of the game itself. Heat took control early with just an absolutely frantic energy in the first quarter that led to a 16-2 run. Miami ultimately up 17 after the first quarter. They would get their lead as high as 21 in the second before the Hawks, to their credit, they are still a playoff-level team, started to push back near the end of the first half. They got it down to a little over double digits. So like I want to say like 11-12, something like that. Uh, second half, despite a very good effort by the Hawks, the Heat did manage to keep their lead around double digits until the closing minutes. It never got below six, despite Trey Young getting to the free throw line, I want to say, 10 or 11 times. I mean, that was essentially the, the, his main source of offense in the second half. So despite all that, and despite the Heat's usual fourth quarter shenanigans, this was actually a game that they managed to keep the opponent at arm's length all the way through the closing minutes. Player of the game here. I'm actually going to give this one out to Jaime Jaquez Jr. I debated this a little bit between him and Bam, so we'll get to. But Bam's been getting a lot of these, and I think he's going to be getting a lot more. So I want to shout out Jaquez when it really shows. But filling in for Jimmy Butler in the starting role, finishing with a career high 20 points, three rebounds, four assists on eight of 17 for the field, two of seven from three point range, two of two from the free throw line, and just continues to look just well beyond his years as a rookie. I mean, granted, he is an older rookie, so arguably he should look this good, but it's still a pleasant surprise to just be like, hey, here's the rookie that we just drafted uh, subbing in for our best player, and he's just going to drop 20 points while we get the win. That's just a very good luxury to have. Uh, stat of the game here, turnovers. Miami won this battle 15-21. to And also free throws, where Miami beat the Hawks going 23-25 or from the line versus the Hawks 15-18. of So between that and then the big lead that Miami built up, so like they weren't, they weren't turning the ball over and giving those to the Hawks. Outside of Trey Young, the Hawks were not getting to the free throw line. So the only remedy that the Hawks had to try to get back into the game after that early lead Miami built was to shoot a ton of threes. And to the Hawks' credit, they made a bunch of them. I think it ended up being like 19 of 46, which would have been good for like 43%, something like that. So they made a bunch, so they shot a bunch and made a bunch, and that was how they you know, eventually chipped what was a 21-point lead down to you know, almost a clutch game in the closing minutes. But miscellaneous stuff from this game, I uh, have to mention him still, Bam Adebayo, just because it's a, another monster stat line. 26 points, 17 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Unfortunately, there was no uh, Defensive Player of the Year candidate on the other end of the court to embarrass this night. Unless you want to count Clint Capella, but I wouldn't count Clint Capella for that. Uh, other stuff, miscellaneously, J- uh, Josh Richardson, 16 points and 6-7 from the field, 3-4 or four from 3-point range, 1-1 one one for the free throw line and starting to look like he might be figuring out his role. We'll talk a little bit more more of that in the middle segment. Because first, at this point, Miami is now up to four straight games, and they have one more to go uh, at the Spurs last night, Sunday. Again, Miami won 118-113. to Also a game that the Heat would be without Kyle Lowry listed out for rest. That makes sense. I mean, Lowry played Saturday, second half of back-to-back, especially on the road. Go ahead and let him rest and give opportunity to somebody else. Josh Richardson would start in his place for the first half, though in the second half, Drew Smith would be the starting point guard. We'll get into that a little bit more later on as well. Uh, For the recap of this game itself, though, this was a little bit opposite to how the Hawks game started. In the Hawks game, Miami's offense started out just guns blazing. In the Spurs game, they started out like it was just absolutely stuck in molasses. 
Point in case, they did not break 10 points until about two minutes left in the first quarter, finishing the first quarter with 15 points overall. And then early in the second quarter, the Heat would fall behind as much as 19. And you could start to feel that, oh, it's the second night of a road back-to-back, you know, toss it out, right? Nope, not this Heat team. Instead, they went on a 17 to nothing run in the second quarter to get them right back into the game. Only down one at that point, and they would stay around there throughout the remainder of the second and third quarter, only being down two going into the fourth. But early in the fourth quarter, they fell down by double digits, down 12 at one point, and it started to be like, again, that same thing, right? Okay, well, sure, they had the great comeback. They tried really hard. They just ran out of gas, second out of a row, back-to-back, blah, blah, blah. Nope. This Heat team still grinded it out. They rallied through the fourth quarter. This was more reminiscent of what we were used to last year, where it didn't matter how far the Heat were down, they would find a way to get back in. This was one of those repeat performances tonight. They found a way to get back in despite going down 12 early in the fourth quarter. They rallied, ultimately took the lead behind some free throws and some good shooting by Josh Richardson, and then built enough of a cushion that they ultimately won 118-113. to Player of the game for this one, Duncan Robinson. Team high, 26 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists on 8 of 16 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3-point range, 6 of 6 from the free throw line. Just showing off his full offensive development that he's been working on over the last few years. It wasn't just, you know, running dribble handoffs or getting spot-up threes. It was also attacking downhill, attacking closeouts, attacking gaps in the defense, running some pick-and-roll I mean, there's a really good play right now going on social media where he hits uh, Wimby with a move I hadn't I'd seen but didn't know the name of, the Smitty, apparently. But that's a really great highlight to look up. So Duncan just absolutely owned this game. Definitely worthy player of the game. Uh, stat of the game here, turnovers. This is where Miami won this game. They only committed four turnovers throughout the entire game. Four turnovers to San Antonio's 17. And then also free throw shooting as well. So Miami going 28 of 30 from the free throw line versus San Antonio's 10 of 12. Because they got beat on field goal percentage, field goal attempts, three-point percentage, three-point attempts. So the Spurs were shooting better from the field, and they were shooting better from three, and both at higher volumes. So the way that Miami ended up winning this game was they made pretty much no turnovers and lived at the free throw line. Which, again, is just like a quick reminder, right? Like... I literally just talked about how the Hawks got back into their game by making a ton of threes. The Heat did not have that going for them, so they found uh, other ways to get back into it by limiting turnovers and getting to the free throw line. And then miscellaneous stuff for this game, uh, Bam Adebayo, again, I got to give him a quick shout out, 24 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists with 3 steals. I know there's like some cheeky talk about Wimbenyama trying to go for Defensive Player of the Year. He's a rookie. I think that's way too early for that. But even so, this was, again, a a game where Bam just worked him on both ends of the court. Please get that argument out of my face. And then other one, uh, Josh Richardson, again, really great game for him. 12 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists on 4-7 from the field, 2-4 from 3-point range, 2-2 from the free throw line. So getting his efficiency up. And overall, this takes Miami to... 3-0 3-0 and on their road trip, but a five-game win streak overall to take them from 1-4 and to now 6-4. and So one of the things that has interested me over this five-game win streak for Miami now is how they've been able to do this despite having shifting roles and people coming in and out of the rotation. 
this is beyond just like, you know, hey, Butler was out Saturday, Hawkins popped in for him. Lowry was out Sunday, so then Richardson eventually Drew Smith came in for him. That's kind of like standard stuff. Uh, it's more so just like other things, like changes to the starting lineup and the backup center. So I figured I could spend a little bit of time talking about that because we were a little more game-heavy this week. So I think the first place to start is changes to the starting lineup. And the first one is the sad injury to Tyler Hero that will take him out for several weeks. Although the solution to that seems to, to have been the, the most simplest one that was already staring us in the face. Just promote Duncan Robinson from the bench into the starting lineup. This at least gives the Heat a, a little bit of playmaking because Duncan's been working on that. Definitely gives him spacing because Duncan's still a feared three-point shooter. And the defense, I don't think, drops off too, too much from Hero to Duncan. Both, I think, have been improved defenders this year, although closer to neutral than necessarily good. But just to say that Duncan... Can he can fill what the starting line means the most, which is spacing, and then can fill in some of the areas that uh, Hero was providing, like playmaking and and you know being a body on defense. I did wonder for a moment if Spo was going to get a little interesting with this, maybe doing something like putting Caleb in as a starting two, although Caleb still seems to be out nursing his knee injury. Uh, but then the other idea that I had that would have been more crazy would have been something along the lines of, like, move Jimmy to the two, Highsmith to the three, and then start Jovic as the four. Just because I really want to get Jovic in there somehow. But that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems to be pretty cut and dry, and, and this has been the case over the last few games. I don't, And especially given Duncan's play against the Spurs on Sunday, I don't see any reason why Duncan wouldn't continue to fill in for Tyler Hero until Hero's back. So then the question becomes is how do the Heat you know, get some of that spacing off of the bench that Duncan was originally providing? That part's still a work in progress. And then the other major change to the starting lineup uh, throughout this win streak has been the addition of Haywood Highsmith in as the starting four while Kevin Love was moved out of the rotation, was almost out of the rotation entirely for a little bit, but we'll talk to him possibly coming back in. Uh, just in a minute or so. But on this, on the subject of Hay- Highsmith versus Love as the starting four, uh, I just think it's really hard to pair Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love uh, in the starting f- lineup. One is, is just the unfortunate part of their age. They're both very old, so therefore they're limited in terms of defense and pace. But then the other part is a, a little bit of like redundancy. And I think the, the main thing that comes to mind with why this doesn't necessarily work as well as the Heat had hoped is both are players that like to push pace by enabling others to get out in transition. So, for example, Kyle Lowry, whether he gets the rebound itself or, like, somebody passing the ball, he will look to, like, maybe take a few dribbles, look up, see if anybody's running down court, and then pitch it ahead to them. Uh, Kyle, uh, sorry, Kevin Love, a little bit of the same thing, right? He'll grab the defensive glass, turn around, who can he outlet pass to? So both of those both of those situations is a player looking for other players that are already down the court. The problem, though, is if both Larry and Love are looking to do this, then they're in the opposing backcourt looking for either Bam, Butler, or Hero to get out ahead. And all it takes is a Butler that maybe isn't quite moving as quickly, or Bam having to you know to stay in the opposing backcourt because he had to box one or two people out, and then both Larry and Love look up. There's nobody running down court, so then that whole part of their transition game is essentially useless. If you instead take Kevin Love and put in Haywood Highsmith, well, Highsmith's athletic. He can run down the court, and that that's somebody that Kyle Lowry can pitch ahead to. 
that Bam could pitch ahead to or Butler could. So separating them beyond just the defensive concerns, I think it also helps Miami in terms of their pace because now they can have a pace pusher in the starting lineup with Kyle Lowry and a pace pusher with Kevin Love coming off the bench. And then the other part of this is more so what does Highsmith bring positively to the starting lineup, which is a similar level of spacing that Kevin Love already provided, but Highsmith brings a lot more defense and athleticism that sadly Love, I mean, Father Time is undefeated, Love's up in those years, that's just not something we can necessarily expect from him um, at this point in his career. So overall, I also think the addition of Highsmith into the starting lineup, short of like making a big trade for a very clear-cut starting caliber four, I would imagine Highsmith is going to be the starter for the remainder of the year. But that doesn't necessarily mean the end of Kevin Love in the rotation. So Thomas Bryant has started to slip out of his backup uh, center spot in favor of Kevin Love over the last few games, specifically the Hawks and Spurs game over the weekend. And I think what is going on here is, is Bryant has not been as effective offensively for the Heat as they had originally hoped. In terms of like offensive box plus minus, he was like a minus 3.5 or something when I looked up. He's bad. Uh, and that's supposed to be the appeal to Thomas Bryant as the backup center. Hey, at least this guy can score. Defensively, he's and eh, he can get exposed, but offensively, he's supposed to score enough that it makes up the difference. And we did see that frequently in preseason as well. However, as the season's dragged on, just the offensive production has stalled and stalled and stalled. And now it looks like we're at the point, yet again, <laughs> as this Heat team consistently finds himself with answers at the backup center. And it looks like for now, the, the answer is going to be Kevin Love. Uh, he, we saw this for stints last season as well, so it's not like this is anything new that Kevin Love hasn't done before. Uh, and it, it is intriguing, because Love does still provide spacing and scoring, whereas Brian has not been as effective. And then there's the earlier part I mentioned about how Kevin Love can go defense to offense with those outlet passes, just grab a defensive rebound, chuck it down court. That's not something Bryant can really do as well. And then there's another added wrinkle where you don't necessarily have to just like very strictly cut Kevin Love's minutes off when Bam Adebayo comes back in. You can still run lineups with Kevin Love at the four, Bam at the five. So you get a little bit more lineup flexibility with that as well. So that confluence of factors leads me to, and given the performance of Kevin Love over the last few games, leads me to believe that Kevin Love is going to be more so the backup center versus Thomas Bryan or Orlando Robinson. And the other part that intrigues me about this move is I think it lays out a blueprint for like Nikola Jovic, maybe <laughs> if things bear out properly, for him to get some minutes. Because very similarly to Love, he has like that same kind of body type. Uh, he has some playmaking size. He can space, score a little bit. And he's just a bit younger as well. So he could look at what Kevin Love's doing as the backup five and say, hey, I could try to get better at that stuff and maybe take over that role either this season or in the future if I continue the career with the Miami Heat. On the subject of Jovic, though, I gotta admit at this point, it just does not seem like Spolstra has a plan for him in the rotation for this year. Now, maybe that is because of Miami falling into that 1-4 hole that, that Spolstra just had to turn and say, hey, I just need to cut bait on any other developmental projects outside of Jaquez, who has played phenomenally. Or it could be the more worst-case scenario, which is Spolstra seeing behind the scenes 
just something he doesn't like from Jovic and therefore just doesn't trust him at the moment. Or it could just be because he's he's just still relatively young and Spolscher wants him to be a little bit more older and mature before he really trusts him in the rotation. Regardless of whichever one ends up being, it does seem like Jovic is at this point out of the rotation for at least the near future while the Heat continue to try to build up wins and build up some space above 500. Maybe this is something that we could come back to in January or around the trade deadline, but until then, I'm not too optimistic. And then the last thing I wanted to discuss in terms of just like changes in the rotation has been the point guard rotation. So Kyle Lowry has pretty much entrenched himself as the starting point guard, and to his credit, he has earned it. He has been phenomenal to start this season, I think. And what's more interesting here is the backup point guard situation. That seems to have gone completely to Drew Smith over Josh Richardson. Point in case that Spurs game where Richardson gets the starting nod in place of Lowry. But in the second half, Drew Smith got that starting nod instead. And I do think Smith, to his credit, has earned that backup point guard spot. He's been playing with really great defense, and I think most importantly, he's leading the team in assist-to-turnover ratio right now. Uh, For reference, Kyle Lowry is second. That is exactly what we want from our point guards. We want them to get lots of assists and very few turnovers. Uh, Josh Richardson, though, has been struggling as the ball handler, and this goes as far back as the training camp when they originally had Josh Richardson taking point guard reps. However, they ultimately went with Kyle Lowry. And that's carried over into the season where, for reference, Josh Richardson is currently 8th on the team in assist-to-turnover ratio. But where I think the bright spot for Richardson has been, though, is essentially just to embrace that he's not a backup point guard or anything like that, and to just focus less on being an initiator and more of a finisher. So, in reference for the Hawks and Spurs games, he did a lot less dribbling, a lot less like pick-and-roll, a lot more catch-and-shoot, a lot more cutting... And not only was his efficiency better, but the the Heat offense performed better. So I think going forward, Richardson will continue to focus on his role as a finisher and a scorer and leave the playmaking to Drew Smith, Kyle Lowry. I mean, again, this team does have playmaking from other areas. So just let Josh focus on scoring and let other people do the ball handling. Moving on now, because I'm already getting a bit up in time, let's take a look at what injuries the Heat are dealing with currently and in the next week of basketball for them. So the big name on the injury list right now, Tyler Hero, twisted, uh, was listed as a grade 2 ankle sprain. So it could have been worse, and that was good because it looked pretty darn bad. It was like a 90-degree turn. Do, do not recommend looking up that video. Uh, go watch the Duncan work in Wimby highlight instead. But... Uh, Tyler Hero, bit fortunate that it, it wasn't a worse injury. It could have been like four or six weeks. It looks like it's going to be closer to three to four weeks. Currently, he had the boot put on last Wednesday after the injury, and he's supposed to be reevaluated in about two weeks. So about a week from Wednesday or around Thanksgiving uh, is when he'll be evaluated. I would imagine at the earliest he doesn't come back until after the Heat's next road trip, which would be the following week. So about two weeks from today, my guess. But outside of here, the other big name is Caleb Martin, who at this point is just being listed out on almost like a game-by-game basis. And I'm not quite sure exactly when we would get Caleb back. There's an argument to be made that that it should be done sooner than later to help replace what you're now missing in Tyler Hero. Though conversely, you've had other players stepping up, Josh Richardson, Jaime Jaquez, uh, Haywood Highsmith, 
that have been able to help you still get wins without Caleb so you can continue to let him rest that knee for, again, what the Heat ultimately want, which is him to be available April, May, and June. Which is kind of a long way of saying that Caleb Martin, I think, could be back pretty much whenever the Heat feel like they need him back. I Obviously, they would like to do it later than sooner so he's fully healed, but... If something breaks or if there's another injury, I wouldn't be surprised to see Caleb Martin suiting back up for the Heat. Now, let's look ahead to the next week of games for Miami. So, three games in the next week. They will be finishing up their four-game road trip Tuesday. They'll have one home game on Thursday. And then they start another five-game trip uh, afterwards, that first game being next Saturday. So we start tomorrow at the Charlotte Hornets to finish up the road trip. This is an in-season tournament game, so maybe a little bit more stakes to it. Uh, this is a Hornets team, though, that is overall 3-6, and six, and this is the first of four meetings that the Miami Heat will have with them. Uh, out for the Charlotte Hornets currently? None. They have no one listed on the injury report. Uh, players to watch out for on, this, on the Hornets. Number one is definitely LaMelo Ball. Fantastic playmaker, high-risk, high-reward shot maker. For the Heat, the emphasis will be limit his transition ability, and if he wants to take really wild shots, let him. And if he makes them, hats off to him. And then the other one for the Hornets, Gordon Haywood, who over the years has just found ways to consistently annoy and flummox the the Heat defense. Uh, Main stats for this game. The Hornets have the highest points in the paint in the league, but they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams. So... That makes things pretty simple. Wall off the paint. You got a fantastic defensive player of the year candidate in Bam Adebayo that can help you do that. And then force the Hornets to shoot a bunch of threes that they're not very good at. Uh, Storyline for this game. Honestly, the only one I really have is will the in-season tournament juice this game up at all? I mean, the Hornets are already looking like they have a lost season ahead of them. uh, Whereas the Heat obviously don't care too much about it. But at this point, every win is, is really important to the Heat. So... They're going to still attack it with with that sense of urgency. So while it doesn't seem too likely that a game between the Hornets and Hawks in November could be too compelling, maybe the in-season tournament can make it at least a little more compelling. Uh, After this, the Heat will return home where they will finally get a home game where they will host, ah, darn it, the Brooklyn Nets that whooped them last time. This is a Nets team that's overall 5-5. This will be the second of four meetings with them. The first one was the game that Miami lost at home to go down 0-1 in the season series. Let's try to make it 0-2. Out for the Nets, currently for certain, Cam Thomas, who twisted his ankle last week and will be reevaluated in two weeks, so that makes him out this week. And then potentially Ben Simmons, who looks like he's been missing a few games here and there recently uh, with an injury. So for players on the Nets that I think the Heat really need to look out for, number one is, is of course, Mikhail Bridges, who busted out for a career high against them after the trade deadline. I think it was like 40 points, 42 points, something like that. So, Bikil Bridges has been a bit of a menace to the Heat. And then after that, Lonnie Walker the fourth. Uh, for any Miami Hurricanes fans down here, it's a familiar name. He's now in the Brooklyn Nets, and he has just been working people right and left. And So, now will be the question of can the Heat stop him as well. Main stat to watch out for. The Nets are 4th in 3-point attempts, shooting 8th in 3-point percentage. They're also top 10 in personal fouls and turnovers per game. So a team that shoots a lot of threes and shoots them well, so you want to try to curtail that. But also a team that isn't making a lot of mistakes, whether in turnovers or giving up fouls and trips to the free throw line. So that'll be a little bit tougher as well. Uh, But where the Nets are bad is they are bottom in the league at free throw attempts 
and two-point attempts. So, in other words, they're getting a bulk of their scoring from three-point range. So if the Heat can either limit the three-point attempts or more specifically limit the three-point percentage, that goes a long way in turning the Nets into an inefficient offense and thus makes it easier for the Heat to win the game. And then the storyline for this game, since that trade deadline last season, the Nets have given Miami fits. I think they were uh, three, I think it's three and O now since the Durant trade where they brought in Bridges and Cam Johnson and all that. So can the Heat actually bust through this time and put down this Nets team who is a legitimately good matchup with all their wing defenders against Miami? So can the Heat bust out finally? That'll be the storyline here. And then to finish up this week, the Heat will go onto the road to start their road trip at the Chicago Bulls next Saturday. This is a Bulls team that's overall 3-6, and six, and this will be the first of four meetings with the Bulls this season. Listed out for the Bulls, for a certain Lonzo Ball, he is sadly out for the entire season after his knee just continues to derail his career. Really unfortunate. Like He, he flashed some amazing playmaking and defense for a few years. Like Looked like a legitimate old-school point guard, which is very rare nowadays. Um, they The Bulls also have a few day-to-day injuries, and given that it's Monday and this game is on Saturday, it's a little hard to predict whether any of these will linger to Saturday. Uh, so players to watch out for for the Chicago Bulls. The big ones, Zach Levine, very athletic uh, cutter, slasher, shooter. He gives lots of defenses problems for good reason. But I think more so for Miami, the big one they need to watch out for is the other person in the backcourt, DeMar DeRozan, who just consistently kills Miami, especially if he can get into a rhythm, like Miami lets him get to the free throw line a few times or lets him knock down a few middies. And then before we know it, DeMar DeRozan is just hitting everything against the Heat. Uh, We saw this a lot last season. I think the Heat were 0-3 against them in the regular season, and it wasn't until we had a Max Struess explosion in the play-in that the Heat were able to beat the Bulls and then advance to the playoffs and and then all the crazy stuff that happened uh, afterwards. But just to say that, like, this is the Bulls team that has played the Heat hard as well over the last few years, and DeRozan has been a a particularly big reason for that, I feel. Uh, Stats for this game. The Bulls are a top 10 in steals, turnovers, personal fouls. So a bit of that same formula where, like, they're they're not doing a lot of mistakes that the Heat can capitalize on, and they're forcing opponents into a lot of turnovers with you know, being top 10 in steals. So Miami will not only have less mistakes that they can capitalize on, but they also got to worry about ball security, though this is a team that's usually pretty good about that anyway. The bad side of the Bulls statistically is they're giving up a ton of threes. And while Miami's a little depleted in terms of shooting with Tyler Hero still on the bench, this could be an opportunity for, you know, Kevin Love, Haywood Highsmith, uh, Duncan Robinson to just already hey, even Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo they feel like taking some threes that maybe they can start to build some three point rhythm and hopefully make this an easy game. The storyline for here and just for the, more so the Bulls in general is this is a team that seems teetering on a rebuild and it's really the question of when I think it's personally I think it's a question of when not if that they decide to do the rebuild. Point in case, I believe they've already had several players-only meetings, even this early into the season. I remember they had, I know that they had one after game one, which is a giant red flag if there ever is one. And last season, when the Bulls were in a similar situation, Miami ended up coughing up a win, and the Bulls ended up, you know, getting eventually to the playing tournament and almost knocked Miami out. So, 
rewrite the script this year, go in, take advantage of a team that's teetering on a rebuild to pick up an easy win and start the road trip off right. If not that Saturday, then the Heat will at least get another chance for this the following Monday because they'll be doing uh, both home games and kind of baseball style at the Chicago Bulls Saturday and Monday. But next Monday, we will preview that game on the next podcast. As for the middle segment next week, I'm not too decided on that yet. I'll see what pops into my head over the week, try to come up with something fun and interesting to talk about uh, for the middle segment next week. But for now, though, that'll be all for this episode. I do thank you for hanging around. Please, if you can, follow the pod at Heaters Heating and myself at KBR Heat Culture off of X Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Also, check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball, Celtics Wire, Brooklyn Buzz, Always doing great work over there. Links for everything are in the show notes as usual. I'll be back next week. So until then, y'all have a good one, Heat Nation.